It's Tuesday evening, <laughs> June 18th, and you're having a random encounter in the library. It's episode 31. We're going to do a little literate literature Tuesday. So I've got a call in from Rich Fraser of uh, Cockatrice Nuggets, and he uh, mentioned um, something from his game, and he was going to crib some ideas from Johnny Mnemonic and all that stuff or whatever. So I wanted to make sure it was okay before I posted his uh, message. But it's pretty cool when this is basically what I, why I started doing this literature thing to try to get people um, sharing their input um, of things that they've discovered in these different books and stories that they can use or hearing me talk about it and go, hey, that is awesome. So uh, take it away, Rich. Jim, oh my God, I think you just unlocked one of the plots that my players are pressuring me into creating for them that they created themselves. Johnny Mnemonic sounds amazing. I've got a uh, construct at Gearforge that uh, her personality was split by one of the other players and they don't know why or how it happened. Really, it was kind of a magical fluke and that's how the warlock got her abilities. But um, in doing so, this person lost her memories. So it's very exciting. I think Johnny Mnemonic gives me that reason. Thanks for the ideas and thanks for talking about Gibson. All right, thanks for that, Rich. Um, so originally, I wanted to take a break and just read the next um, part of the uh, Sprawl trilogy um, that started with Neuromancer, and that goes in Account Zero, and then, um, shoot, I forgot the third one, Mona Lisa Overdrive. Um, but then I got the phone call from Rich, and I figured, all right. So <laughs> normally I don't read very fast when I'm just casually reading, but when when I'm doing um, something for this podcast, I like um, make sure I hit a certain page count and I'm taking notes and stuff. Um, so basically what we're going to do here is off the cuff. So count zero picks up some years after Neuromancer. And one of the things that's cool, like I said, mentioned in um, talking about Neuromancer and Johnny Mnemonic, Molly Millions is in the short story, Johnny Mnemonic, and then she shows up in Neuromancer. Well, in Count Zero, the Finn uh, shows up. At first, he describes, you know, Gibson uh, describes this character and mentions that his name is Finn. I'm like, okay, and then he's got wearing something, remnants of a tweed jacket, and then I'm like, wait a minute. And then I went back, I'm like, hey, this is him. This is the guy from the original, it's just older. And um, so um, this uh, subplot, um, 
so in Neuromancer, it's more, there's like different strands, like subplots, but it's very much um, a case being the main uh, narrator. And with this, it's, um, there's like four, I think, different uh, stories, three or four stories going at the same time. So you've got uh, Turner, who is um, somebody, if, if, if um, somebody wants to switch jobs, if you want to break it down simply. So somebody wants to move from one corporation to another because they don't like working for, um, I think it's Hosaka. This uh, guy, Mitchell, is like an engineer, and he's like the part of the bleeding edge of technology, but he doesn't like working for this company. So Turner is... Um, like the on-site uh, person that's going to make that happen. So Mitchell's supposed to land in an ultralight, and then they uh, fly him off in a jet, but they have to... Um, they have these uh, physicians who check him out for uh, kinks. So basically check Mitchell, see if he has any nanovirus that is primed to go off, or if he's got uh, some kind of like a... Not a shunt, but things that if he tries to leave uh, the vicinity that'll like kill him or cripple him or something. Um, so they're ready for that, you know, to disarm anything. And um, so, yeah, that's Turner. There's uh, Marley Krushkova. She's a. Um, she had an art gallery in London, I think. I don't know. She had an art gallery, and her boyfriend um, came up with a counterfeit uh, piece of art. Like, he, he got somebody to forge this thing and bring to her, and she lost her gallery because of all this police nonsense and publicity and stuff. So basically, her boyfriend's a jerk, to put it politely. As she gets hired by this ultra-powerful billionaire <laughs> um, to find out, um, find the artist that created this one thing that looks like a kind of a shadow box but has different things arranged in it, and they're arranged in a certain way that it evo evokes emotion. Um, it's very new, like, modern art, so where it's not, it's somebody arranged pieces of stuff, but they're arranged in a certain way to get an emotion or a feeling or something, but it's not like traditional art, like a painting or whatever. So, Virick is the billionaire, and he communicates through phone or cyberspace. Um, she has an interview with Virick, and she has to go into this uh, sim stim, 
just kind of like the Matrix, but she's not like physically jacked in. Um, Virik says that he's his physical body is uh, sick. It's being kept alive in a vat somewhere. I think he says Zurich, but yeah, <laughs> it's weird. Um, but he has a, a person named uh, Paco, um, who's a, per an, a real person in the real world that goes and helps her out. So that's uh, Turner and uh, Marley, and then the uh, title character, Count Zero, is uh, Bobby, and Count Zero is his uh, hacker, his uh, cyber cowboy handle, <clears throat> and uh, he try he's trying out some uh, a icebreaker. It's a program that um, a dealer friend of his uh, sold him, and he wants to be a space a cyber cowboy <clears throat> to get out of this little small town that he lives in. So he jacks in, and he's got this program, and he tries to hit this thing. <clears throat> Sorry. And he, um, something happens, and it's trying to kill him. But then there's this, like, um, sensation of a girl talking to him and asking why the thing was doing this to him. And then somehow he was able to uh, disconnect. <clears throat> and then he gets out. He tries to find his dealer friend. Um, people come after him, steal his uh, deck, which has the program in it. And then um, the, the, so the thing <laughs> I've rambled on here is um, the uh, entity that talked to him is the, um, the two guys that sold it to Bobby's, uh, Count Zero's um, dealer, Two-A-Day <laughs> is his name. That's uh, Beauvoir and Lucas, and they're both like a kind of voodoo practitioners, but it's all like connected into the Matrix, the cyberspace stuff. <clears throat> so they're talking about Loas and hoodoo and hoongans and um, all this stuff. So what I was thinking you could use for the game uh, in that respect is if you take, <clears throat> well, if you're doing modern or whatever, and really you can do anything, but you can take um, a religion or a philosophy or whatever and then try to work it into whatever you're doing. Um, so there is, hold on a second. So when they're, the Lucas and Beauvoir are explaining who they, uh, the Bobby talked to that like helped them 
survive his encounter with the um, the black ice and all that, or whatever was trying to kill him. They're telling them that um, they need to know about the virgin. And he's like, who? It's like, Viege Mirac. Our Lady Virgin of Miracles. We know her as Azili Frida. So, and they're like, um, so she's um, like connected to um, shoot the the uh, Loas and all that, and then they say that Bobby's um, the chosen of Legba to have met Viege Mirac, and Legba, master of roads and pathways, the Loa of communication. So uh, Legba fits into uh, this whole like matrix cyberspace uh, thing. So, yeah. And then, they, they, of course, it gets even more, a little more complicated because then there's a thing where um, they bring it from the matrix to, like, the real world, like, applying it that way, and it gets a little more complicated, but eh. You can make it as complicated or as simple as you want. Um, but there you go. Um, and of course, we've got more um, usage of Microsoft's, which I don't think I mentioned this before. Basically, you have these little uh, jacks behind your ear, and you can plug in different programs. So, you know, Spanish, you know, language programs. Uh, Turner needs to use one to learn how to fly a plane. So when they're getting, waiting for Mitchell to fly in, he plugs it in and then he knows how to fly a plane. So um, there's a car that can drive itself. And at some point they're uh, eating. <laughs> so I'm wondering if there's a, like if the car could fix food or what it also it can access satellites and then if somebody's like trying to track the car down then um, the the car um, which is named Ahmed then the car can uh, latch onto that and find out and warn them and stuff so but I think so far, what I have read, which I'm at the halfway point, um, I don't think anything happens with the car, but eh. I've read it before, but it's been a while, so. All right, so I'll finish this, and I think I'll have maybe a little more. It's not as uh, OSR-friendly, <laughs> but like uh, Rich Fraser was saying, you know, if you've got um, like a Warforged or something, and really you can do it any with anything. Um, oh, and you can have a mysterious benefactor who's um, 
shows up and uh, basically for a fantasy game, it, he, there he's using clones, and his real body is in a casket somewhere, and he has some kind of like a magic jar type thing that he can send his uh, his um, thoughts, his astral being or whatever, into these different clone bodies. So there you go. All right. I think we'll go ahead and put a stopper in that one. Hopefully you got something out of it and you enjoyed listening to me drone on and on about William Gibson's Count Zero. All right, take care. Good night.